Hello and welcome to this bonus podcast in the Words of West Cork series. This podcast features the audio from a YouTube live um, that we did that looks at an Ian Bailey interview that he gave in October 2023, which I thought would be of interest to people who've listened to the Words of West Cork. As it's from a YouTube live, you'll hear me ask for comments from the live chat, which you won't be able to take part in listening to this podcast. But if you do have anything you want to say, the details to connect are in the description for this show. So let's get to the analysis of Ian Bailey. The interview covers lots of things. I'm going to focus on the cold case answers that Ian Bailey gives. Um, And I'm going to look at the words that he says, as I always do, I don't look at the evidence or um, things that people know, think, suspect, or anything like that. I'm only going to look at the words Ian Bailey used, using something called truthful deception. Um, and that looks at the word choice and the definitions of those words that Ian Bailey will choose to use. And looking at those words um, to analyze um, what he's saying, what he chooses to say, um, and then what we can learn from that. So let's dive into the interview. And the interviewer asks him, we talked about the stress of, you know, what you've been consistently going through for a long time now and the cold case review. Have you spoken to the cold case team yet? And Ian Bailey says, "Uh, no, I haven't. I know I did read last week that the officer in charge of it or um, is working on the DNA. One of the officers, um, but I haven't had any contact with them uh, so far. And I, I mean, uh, I, I wrote to, and I think it's a name, but it's unclear, two years ago, I wrote to someone two years ago asking for this and saying he could expect my full and absolute cooperation. So what do we get from that answer from Ian Bailey there? Well, listen, he's asked a question. Have you spoken to the cold case team yet? Now, to his credit, Ian Bailey directly answers the question. No, I haven't. A very honest answer. It's very straightforward. It's got no qualifications. It's got it's a yes or no question. And he says no straight away. No, I haven't. And if he left it at that, it would be the most truthful but boring answer in the world ever. But Ian Bailey goes on to add everything there after no, I haven't. And he must have said this for a reason because he could have stopped at no, I haven't. So what what he said beyond answering the question is going to be revealing. It's going to be either things that Ian Bailey wants to say, but hasn't been asked to say. So he's going to crowbar them in to the answer of the question. And I think also we can get an idea of Ian Bailey's priorities through the things that he says that he hasn't been asked to say. And you see that after he says, no, I haven't. The first thing he says is that he did read things last week um, about the cold case. So that's high in his mind. It's very recent. Um, and that's that they're working on the DNA. So that I think is very important to him that last week he heard they were working on the DNA. Now, before you jump to it and go, ah, he's worried about the DNA. That's why it's high up in his priorities. That may not be the case. If you're an innocent person, you'd be really pleased and prioritizing the fact that the DNA may um, make you uh, be innocent, make you be innocent, may uh, clear you entirely. So this is not you know, he's really worried about the DNA. He's worried about what will come out. No, it's just saying in Ian Bailey's head, the DNA, this new news that they will be re-examining the DNA is very important. What else have we got? Yeah, we've got him here um, talking about writing for 
uh, and asking for the cold case. Now, you notice, by the way, he stammers a lot. There's uh, ums and ums, and he stutters a couple of times on I, I, I. So that suggests that he's a little bit nervous about all of this. But why is he telling us when he hasn't been asked to, he's only been asked, have you spoken to the cold case team yet? Why is he telling us this irrelevant to the question part of uh, information? I wrote to someone two years ago asking for this and saying they could expect my full and absolute cooperation. Well, I think this is image management here. This is Ian Bailey saying, Haha, you might as well let me, you know, I'm not a suspect anymore because I asked for this cold case. How on earth could I be guilty because I asked for this cold case review? I think that's what he's doing there. What a nice upfront, eager to face everything guy I am because I wrote and asked for the cold case review. He must not be the killer if he's done that, right? Um, but interesting words he chooses to use there. Uh, first of all, that um, this guy that he wrote to could expect my full and absolute cooperation. So first of all, that word expect. So it's only expect um, to get the full and absolute cooperation. It's not will get my full and absolute cooperation. It's not will receive my full and absolute cooperation. Only they can expect that. And also, only he, the guy he wrote to, only he can expect that as well. Not everyone can expect the full and absolute cooperation. And full and absolute cooperation. Why not just say cooperation? Saying full and absolute doesn't add anything to the meaning of what he's saying whatsoever. These words are put in there to persuade us that he's not just going to cooperate, he's going to cooperate fully and cooperate absolutely. So I did my laundry this afternoon. If I told you about that, I wouldn't say I did my full and absolute laundry today. I'd just say I did the laundry. So there's a reason these extra words, these persuasive words have been put in. And um, I think it is to really show how helpful he is. This is all image management from Ian Bailey. The interviewer then says about the full and frank cooperation, and that remains the case. And Ian Bailey makes some sound of agreement. The interviewer then asks Ian, We've already read reports that somebody has come forward to talk about scratches on your arms. Um, and I'll give you Ian's answer in full, and then we'll look at it part by part. So in answer to that question, Ian Bailey says, oh God, oh God, yeah, I saw that report. I mean, somebody, uh, 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 an English guy who, something unclear, West Cork, absolute nonsense. I mean, it's quite interesting that my hands, now I did have some scratches on my arms and they came from chopping down a Christmas tree, but we're not talking about my hands, we're talking about my arms. I went up to the scene on the 23rd, Monday. I was seen there by various journalists. I was seen there by one of your own court reporters, Eddie Cassidy. And the interviewer says, that's right, formerly of the examiner. In fact, it was Eddie who rang the news desk on the day and I was on, I was on duty that day. So Ian Bailey says, yes, right. Cause I think we, uh, everybody down here can remember that day. You know, it was one of those, of those moments that journalists tend to remember. And I went out in the evening and I went to a couple of bars. There weren't any scratches on my hands. And amazingly, last week, I get a phone call from a journalist at The Independent saying he'd uh, been contacted or heard this man recollects all of a sudden seeing my hands like a, some sort of grotesque depiction of my hands. Absolute, I'll be very polite because I know you've got polite listeners. Absolute effing nonsense. You know, I don't know what, what prompted that. Okay, let's break it down. So the first part, now this, oh God, oh God, yeah, Ian Bailey tries to laugh through this and, and make it sound casual. If you listen to it, you'll see what I mean by that. And what else do I notice about this first part of the answer? Well, 
why does he mention that it was an English guy um, who, who has made this allegation? Um, one of the reasons I thought for that is, is he trying to get the audience of an Irish radio station on site here using that historic disdain, dislike that some Irish people have for English people? Is that what he's trying to do here? Get the audience on side by saying, it's an English guy. You know, if this comes from an English guy, he can't be trusted, can he? It could be that. The only reason it might not be that is Ian Bailey himself is English. So he's therefore inferring that that he can't be trusted. So why does he feel the need to say it's an English guy? I think it is to, to downplay what this guy is saying, to put some distrust into what this guy is saying. Now, the rest here is is kind of manipulative because he's telling us what we should be talking about. Um, he says, it's quite interesting that my hands, and then he says, I had some scratches on my arms, but we're not talking about my hands, we're talking about my arms. So that is manipulative because the, the, the what he's doing is he's telling us what it is that we're talking about. But actually, he starts by talking about his hands. He says, my hands then I'm going to talk about scratches on my arms and we're not talking about my hands we're we're talking about my arms why is this flip-flopping happening well I think I've got the reason for this um is that this news story as you can see there from the Irish Independent is um new witness provides sketch of scratches he saw on Ian Bailey's hand in December 1996 but you'll notice the question he was asked by the interviewer is We've already read reports that somebody has come forward to talk about scratches on your arms. So I don't know by design or fault, the interviewer gets the question wrong. It's the premise of the question wrong. And Ian Bailey, I think, um, is ready with his defense of scratches on his hands, then realizes, oh my God, he hasn't said hands. I can talk about my arms because that's what he's asked. He's asked about my arms. So we're not talking about my hands. We're talking about my arms. Ian Bailey then goes on to do this thing, which is all just uh, building a bond with the interviewer. I'm like you. We've, we move in the same circle. You know, Eddie Cassidy was there. You know Eddie. I know Eddie. We're all friends here. So, you know, and I think this is what this part of it is doing. You know, it really doesn't do anything for our, as an audience, he's understanding of what Ian's saying. This is all manipulative, I think. This is all about... Uh, building a bond with the interviewer th through their shared acquaintances and also the shared experiences. You know, no one will forget what happened um, on that day. And then I went out in the evening and I went to a couple of bars and there weren't any scratches on my hands. And last week I got a phone call from a journalist that what is going on here? Well, when I read it, I was like, hmm, what Ian Bailey's saying here is, look, so many people, the journalists at the scene, all these journalists, Eddie Cassidy, all the journalists all saw no scratches on my hands. And then later on, I went out into a couple of bars and no one there saw any scratches on my hands. So again, this story is rubbish because no one, I was, all these people saw me and you can ask all them. I had no scratches on my hands. Only we'll go through the words again. Ian Bailey doesn't say once that anyone saw or didn't see any scratches on his hands. I went up to the scene on the 23rd Monday. I was seen by there by various journalists. I was seen by one of your own court reporters, Eddie Cassidy. Doesn't say once what that person will have observed or those people will have observed on his hands. Uh, then he talks about how everyone will remember that day. Again, I went out in the evening. I went to a couple of bars. There weren't any scratches on my hands. So really, although... You, 
you come away with the impression that, oh, he's saying loads of people saw him and they'll all say, no, no scratches on Ian Bailey's hands. He doesn't say that once. Why? Well, it's really hard to make up things that didn't happen would be what I think is going on here to get the real words to match what that, something that didn't happen because you're making it up as you go along and it's hard to make those words happen, which is why this doesn't join up. But I do have some interesting thoughts on some of the words that he's used. Look, he says this guy recollects all of a sudden. Recollects, that means remembers, not claims, not alleges. That means remembers, recollects. So this guy recollects seeing his hands, not falsely recollects, not alleges, not says that I had scratches on my hand. No, Ian Bailey is saying this guy recollects them. That's quite solid. As is depiction. Depiction is a representation. A depiction isn't something that's made up. It's not a dream. A depiction is not fiction. A depiction is a representation of something that actually exists. And Ian Bailey uses those two quite solid words to, um, to talk about this. That's very interesting to me. He goes on to say words that put this down. Amazingly, all of a sudden this has happened. I don't know what, what prompted that. So he's trying to turn down the credibility of this witness statement is what I think is going on in here. Helen, thank you for your comment. He's a master of deflection. Why does he always add in context that isn't relevant to the question? Uh, Helen, I think this is image management from Ian Bailey. Great, uh, you know, great point. Yes, he's the master of deflection. You will actually find as we go through this, he does answer the question very quickly. Any question he's asked, he answers really, really quickly. But then he steers on to her the things that it is that he wants to say. Great point, Helen. Thank you. And then the words that we choose, they don't just tell us the truth or um, lies. They also can tell us a little bit more about the person that we're listening to. And here, Ian Bailey says that I'll be polite because I know you got polite listeners. So he's telling us he's changing mode. So what he's really saying here is I'm not polite. I'm actually quite rude. And, and here he's saying I'm going to have to modify what it is I'd normally say because you've got polite listeners. So that's what Ian Bailey thinks of himself leaking out in those words there. But I'm going to go back to this line here. Emphatic. There weren't any scratches on my hands. This was Ian Bailey talking on Thursday on uh, the, the radio station, which was the 12th of October. And he said, there weren't any scratches on my hands. Well, that's interesting because if I look at the Irish Mirror on the 3rd of October, the headline is, Ian Bailey has fair idea of who killed Sophie as he explains scratches on hands. There you go. 3rd of October, Ian Bailey said that. Want to look deeper into it? Here's a quote from the article. He, that's Ian Bailey, he said he had never ever tried to hide the scratches on his hand around that time and said he got them from killing turkeys and cutting down a Christmas tree. Bailey said, everyone saw I had scratches on my hand. The local garter superintendent when I went up to the crime scene to cover the story, another reporter and photographer with me. It was no big deal. They were there for all to see. So on October the 3rd, Ian Bailey says, everyone saw I had scratches on my hand. On October the 12th, he says, there weren't any scratches on my hands. 
Both can't be true. This is complete and utter deception happening somewhere, unless this quote from October the 3rd is not accurate. Um, the journalist may be able to account for that. Uh, I certainly heard on October the 12th, Ian Bailey say there weren't any scratches on my hand. But as quoted on October the 3rd, Ian Bailey says, everybody saw I had scratches on my hand. Yeah, a liar needs a very good memory. Yeah, no one's got a very good memory. The lying is, its you will always get caught lying. You really will always get caught lying. Um, I'd expect your memory to be better than what you said a week ago. I mean, maybe in hospital where this interview was taking place. On medication, maybe um, his memory is failing him. But for the life of me, the, one of these is not true. There's deception happening here. To say on October the 3rd, everyone saw I had scratches on my hand. Then why? Why say something that is the opposite on October the 12th? There weren't any scratches on my hands. It's just, it blows the credibility of this guy, I'm afraid. Break time. If you're enjoying this, please hit the like button because it helps other people to find it. This video and other ones like it take hours to put together and involve more than just me doing the analysis, by the way, as well. So we'd really appreciate it if you could press the like button to help more people find it. Uh, as I've said before, your comments are more than welcome and your observations and your suggestions. If they're, you're watching live, put them in the chat um, and we'll deal with them as they come up. And uh, if you're watching on replay, then put your comments down below and I will read them. If you want to share this with other people, feel free. The one thing I would ask is that you use the hashtag justice for Sophie Toscan Duplante, that full hashtag when you share it, um, but that will help more people find this content. And if you want more like this, uh, then do press the subscribe button to get videos like this as well. Do you want some more Ian Bailey? Um, the interviewer talks to him about the fact that the Sophie Toscan Duplantier's family have apparently said they'd pay Ian Bailey's current medical bills because they want to make sure he's alive to see justice. Uh, so the interviewer says to him, so we don't know what's going to happen here. And Ian Bailey says, no, you you just accept it philosophically. I mean, my, my, co my great concern is I'd like the truth to come out in as much as it pertains to me and Madame Sophie Toscan Duplantier i.e. I had nothing to do with this terrible crime, but b b before I'm dead, I'm gone. So, what we got here? Well, Ian Bailey might want us to get the impression that he has just accepted it philosophically, that this has happened, or he doesn't know what's happening, whatever it is he means. But he doesn't say he's accepted it philosophically. He tells us what you have to do. That's us. He doesn't tell us how he feels about it at all. You'll notice he does answer the question, we don't know what's going to happen here, and he says no. And then he just launches into one of these things again where um, he, he adds in things, and these things are going to be very revealing about him and potentially where he will trip himself up as well. Ian says his great concern is, I'd like the truth to come out. Now, that's interesting because he spent all this interview, I would hope, telling us the truth. In fact, um, he's denied that he's involved in this murder in any way at all. And he's been doing that for 25 years. So actually, if that's the truth, it's out, Ian. You've been telling it for a long time. You want the truth to come out, suggesting that something is still hidden. 
Uh, now, it could be that you mean the real murderer is still hidden, but you don't say that because you talk about you, you want the truth regarding me and Madame Sophie Toscan de Plantier. So it's, it's only about him. It's not about anything else coming out. So really interesting choice there of what to say. I'd like the truth to come out. He did his own podcast where um, he um, shared his version of events. Is that not the truth coming out? Is there still more to come, Ian? Is that what you're telling us here? That's what your words suggest. Ian Bailey refers to the murder of Sophie Toscante Plantier as this terrible crime. Now, I said at the beginning, I, I did a podcast um, on this. I've looked at Ian Bailey's other words recently. And one thing that he does that um, it, it seems to be very untypical for people who have committed murder is he often doesn't downplay the crime that was committed. He will talk about the murder of Sophie Toscan de Plantier. He will say, I'm not a murderer. He will want the murderer to be found. Uh, quite often, people, especially uh, people who have been accused of serious criminal offences, who are not, who are, who are guilty of it, um, but trying to give off this air of not guilt, will downplay the severity of the crime. So instead of talking about a murder, they may talk about an attack. Instead of talking about stealing, they may talk about taking. And Ian Bailey sometimes downplays it, but quite often has used the words murder and, and murderer. But here he does downplay it. It's just this terrible crime that he says there. Um, really strange choice of words. Uh, quite often, Ian Bailey uses fancy language when it's not really needed. But he'd like the truth to come out in as much as it pertains, um, which suggests he just wants a little sliver of truth to come out. Um, only that part of the truth is what he wants to come out. And why is that? Why doesn't he just want the whole truth out there? Why does he only want this little sliver in as much as it pertains to me and Madame Sophie Toscane de Plantier? Why has he said that? And finally, I had nothing to do with this terrible crime. Subtly different from just saying, I did not do this terrible crime. I did not murder Sophie. I had nothing to do. Now, that is, is distant. Quite often when we say we had nothing to do with something, that's because we could have done something about it if we wanted to. Someone steps out in front of your car. Um, you could say, it's nothing to do with me. They just stood up and stepped out. But actually, if I've been paying a bit more attention. I might have seen them if I've been going a bit more slower. I might not have had to brake so hard. Um, but I, it had nothing, I had nothing to do with this terrible crime is not the same thing as saying I did not do this terrible crime. It's, it's not, there's no responsibility there in that I had nothing to do with this. So it's an interesting, interesting choice of words. The interviewer then asks Ian, if it was a thing that this was the last opportunity we ever had to speak to each other, Ian, what would you say if this was the last time we ever get to talk? Ian says, well, I just reiterate everything I said before, really, that I had nothing to do with it. Now, the thing is this. I did take the precaution of recording my own podcast, Ian Bailey, in his own words, and that's out there. And in a way that I'm glad that I did when, that when I did it. And that's me telling my own story. It would just be nice to myself and other people including my ex-partner if it could be established who you know who it was who to read it and it's quite interesting as we speak we and we have to be careful about these matters you'll notice that there was a man arrested last night near cork city and you'll notice the man's name did not appear in the media did you notice that oof what a lot there 
Uh, now, this is a brilliant question. I'm not being a big fan of this interviewer. I think he, well, he got one of the questions wrong. He seems to have been quite matey with Ian. Maybe he thinks that's the way to get more out of him. But this is a brilliant question. You've had three heart attacks. You might not be much longer for this world. You could be approaching the end of your life. What is the thing you would say to me if this is the last time that we talk? And Ian's answer isn't something like, hey, uh, I'd like to thank you for all the time that you've given me, uh, for listening to my side of events, for for being a, giving me a platform to tell people how I see things. And, you know, I'd really like to thank you. No, Ian Bailey's last thing he really says is download my podcast, Ian Bailey, in his own words, which is just very, very, very telling. Um, he doesn't really answer this question. It's just a tangent, isn't it? He just goes off and talks um, to his own agenda, really. He repeats, I had nothing to do with it. I had nothing to do with it. We've spoken about that and we've covered that before. Um, I, I was really interested in why he said recording a podcast was a precaution. A precaution? That's, <laughs> you know, I, I pack a, a, a warm jumper as a precaution in case it gets cold. I don't record a podcast as a precaution, but but there we go. Um, now, I don't know very much about this podcast. Has it backfired on him or something like that? Because um, he only says, in a way, he's glad that he did it when he did it. Not he's completely glad he did it when he did it. He's just in a way he's glad that he did it when he did it. I don't know if um, anyone knows any more about this podcast. I haven't listened to it. Um, so, um, yeah, why is he only glad he did it in a way? Uh, interesting. And he describes the podcast as me telling my own story, not me telling the truth or me getting out there exactly what happened or me explaining why it could not have been me, just telling my own story. Stories tend to be fictional. Uh, we tend to think of stories as something that is made up. Um, and, you know, why Why not just say, again, it's what Ian thinks he's saying versus the actual words he's using. What he thinks he's saying is, the truth is in my podcast, but instead the words leak out and it's just me telling my own story. Um, then he goes on to uh, talk about what would be good if this um, this truth comes out. Um, it would just be nice, nice. Uh, notice, by the way, the um, way that um, people um, are mentioned here, by the way, nice to myself, other people, including my ex-partner. Now, the way we order things tells us where the priority is. So his priority is himself. I think we could all guess that from some of the things that uh, he said. And... Um, then it's other people, and then very finally, his ex-partner. Anyway, it would just be nice, not bloody essential if you're an innocent person and want to die um, knowing that everyone was, it was confirmed that you were innocent. Just be nice. And if it could be established. So there's some doubt there with the word if, isn't it? It would be nice that it will be established, or if it could be established, that's weak. It's just if it could be established. Um, and then he goes on, and I spoke about this at the very beginning, that um, the things that are a priority to us, the things that are really high up in our mind will bubble out in speech. 
And this is something that's bubbled out. Now, there's a couple of things going on here. Um, he tries to portray himself as a victim because this guy's got arrested and wasn't named. And Ian Bailey was named. And he's going to say that, you know, for the 25 plus years since Sophie was murdered, then I've had to deal with this because I was named when I was arrested. And um, so he's playing some victimhood here. But also, this was a guy who was arrested um, as a result of a review into a crime um, that happened quite a while ago. So has that caught Ian Bailey's eye? Again, not necessarily um, making him guilty because he could be thinking, oh, there's hope for me. If they made an arrest in this case, then maybe they'll make an arrest in Sophie's case. Um, but it certainly shows what is important in his mind. So there's Ian Bailey's words. What do you think? You can get involved in the live chat. Um, got some comments to go through on that already. What do I think? What are my conclusions? Well, number one, Ian Bailey is in image management mode here. He answers the questions very, very briefly that he's asked in, in four words, two words, one word sometimes, and then goes on to say the things that it is that he wants to say to get across the message that he wants to get across. It's and This is all about image management. What a good guy I am calling for the cold case. They can get my full cooperation. Hey, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm just like you, the guy interviewing me, because I'm a journalist. We've got the same experiences. We know the same people. And this is very much Ian Bailey in image management mode. I'll come on to that in a bit. However, in all this image management, he's very weak in events. We saw he contradicted himself in the space of nine days, something like that. He's contradicted himself around the scratches. Now, that's a really big thing. Why? Why is your story not straight on that? Because one of those things happened and you should be sticking to that one thing because it's the truth. But not to stick to that, to have to tell two different stories, that's a really, really big worry. So he's weak on events that happened. He's weak in his denials as well. It's, uh, you know, nothing to do with me. Um, he downplays the crime. That's all very weak. And he, again, like I said, with the scratches, he does seem to be weak on the truth. The other conclusion I have is that Ian Bailey thinks you should download his podcast. I'll go back to image management. If image management is the big thing here and the words that he uses and the way he answers questions suggests that it is, then what image is he trying to convey? I'd suggest that's going to be an innocent man striving to clear his name. So did it work? Was his image management convincing enough for you to think this is an innocent man striving to clear his name? It's up to you. Still got time to get some comments in the chat. Um, I will say that Ian Bailey has always denied any involvement in the murder of Sophie Toscane Duplantier. Uh, thank you to Mary, um, who got in touch with me. Um, I asked about the podcast. Why was he only glad in a way he did it? And Mary says that he started it thinking he could charge money after the first couple of episodes. I'm guessing he wasn't able to charge money after the first couple of episodes. So maybe that's in a way he's glad he did it, but it was a lot of work and I made no money. Uh, Catherine, what have you said? can't keep his life straight well we saw that i mean assuming that that quote in the irish mirror is accurate then he's lied he's he's lied because the two things are completely opposed i had scratches on my hand that everyone saw i had no scratches on my hand they can't both be true catherine he can't keep his life straight 
If you tell the truth, you don't have to have a good memory. Exactly that. Um, and a comment here from Helen. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a sealed envelope with his solicitor for when he's gone. Um, yeah, confessing to the murder, he can't help himself. Helen, I disagree with you on that one. Uh, but I do think that even when Ian Bailey dies, there will be more. Um, uh, from what I can remember, his diaries were very revealing when the police found them. Um, I might be wrong on that, but maybe someone can put me right. So I think that there will be more to come from Ian Bailey when he's no longer in this world. But Helen, thank you for the comment. And that is it. Thank you very much for all your comments. If you are watching this on replay, then then do keep commenting um, and uh, any observations or suggestions as well you have to share will be great. Um, if you want to get in touch, uh, connect.neveratruerword.com will take you to all the socials and an email address as well. And podcast.neveratruerword.com if you want to listen to the Words of West Cork podcast. Really goes deep inside the words of Ian Bailey at the time um, that he was arrested. Uh, his partner at the time, Jules Thomas, as well. We look at what she has to say and other characters that were around at the time that witnessed things around about the time of the murder of Sophie Toscan Duplantier. Thank you very much for watching and we'll see you again soon on Never a Truer Word.